This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Illuminate Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kristen Sruer, and you are listening to episode 58. Today's guest is a warrior, a sister, a wife, a mother, a cystic fibrosis advocate, a community builder, and a courageous inspiration to so many. Jackie Bissett shares her beautiful and messy journey of being the spouse to someone with cystic fibrosis. In this episode, she walks through what it's like to go through not one, but two double lung transplants, birthing her baby with her husband on FaceTime and not in the hospital, what it's like to live with the disease and be faced with really challenging discussions around mortality and how to make lots of plan B's with grace, humor, and faith. Jackie is vulnerable, real, hilarious, brave, and she should be teaching a course on marriage. She is a light in this world and will inspire you with her courage and how she tackles life. I am forever changed by my conversation with Jackie, and I'm so excited to introduce her to you. Jackie, welcome to the Illuminate podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much, Kristen. It is awesome to be here. And now, Jackie, we have to give the listeners a little bit of background as to how we know each other. And maybe that's a great way to start this conversation. So Jackie and I actually went to high school together. And I really know you more through your husband. Correct. And so this is Bishop O'Connell High School in Arlington, Virginia. Um, which is a really special place. And I think Jackie will be able to talk a little bit about that today and why it's so special. But we, our high school had, uh, does a annual fundraiser for cystic fibrosis and it's called the super dance. And is it still the largest fundraiser in the country for CF? As far as I know, at least that's still how I quote it. Um, and I know that I've had friends that are wearing super dance shirts across the nation and it still gets recognized. So I believe so. Okay. And so when I was a senior in high school, this is really dating myself here. <laughs> I was on the executive committee of our student government, which meant that one of your responsibilities was overseeing the super dance. And it's a 12 hour long dance a dance-a-thon, and I had the opportunity to meet this amazing student who is a couple years younger than me named Danny Bissett, um, who has cystic fibrosis. Danny, the year that I led the super dance, that was really his first year of being public with his cystic fibrosis diagnosis. And was sharing with the school that there's somebody that they're sharing a locker with or passing in the hallways that has CF. And it really brought home to the community within 
O'Connell how important this was and that it was impacting somebody that they were close to. And Jackie married Danny. (laughs) Yep. Yep. The rumor mill was just too exciting for me. I, I followed it post high school. (laughs) So now did you guys meet, you guys started dating in high school or after high school? So yeah, we started dating after, but it's so funny, um, Kristen, just to add a little bit to your story. So I was younger than both you and Danny. And I remember I was a freshman when I heard the rumors that there was somebody there that had CF, but they didn't always want to be sharing it or public or, um, you know, and I just remember thinking that it probably had to be somebody that was like in the library or kind of like a, a low key kiddo because um, they were obviously had a condition. And um, I remember hearing rumors that it was Danny and I thought, no way that guy's like on the hockey team. And I've seen him at parties that that's so not the person that has it. And, um, and it ended up being, and it was, I, I specifically, we've talked about it a lot in our later years, we are going back in time, but I know that specifically you and some of the other um, kids that were on the executive board at that time motivated Danny because it was not his intention to share. Um, he's not always super public like that. As we've gotten older, we've been more public, but um, he didn't always want to share. And you guys really motivated him that it would mean a lot to the students to meet somebody that had it. And um, lo and behold, three years later, I was on the executive board and then served and ran it my senior year too. So um, obviously it really impacted me and you are so right. It is such a special place. And that was such a special experience. Yeah. And you know, there's one memory of high school that will always stand out to me. And I had convinced Danny to speak at the super dance. And so he agreed. And then unfortunately he had to go to the hospital. (laughs) That sounds right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so we had every, we called him in his hospital room. Oh my goodness. And so everybody at the super dance sent him well wishes. And I can still, it's one of those things where you can visualize exactly where you were standing in a gymnasium Yes, and the feeling of everything around you at that moment when we called him and just said, we hope you get better. That sounds right. I think Danny's experienced a lot of life from a hospital bed for seeing, for being somebody that still lives pretty, um, or tries to live quote unquote normally. A lot of things have happened from the hospital bed. So that sounds right. And I agree with you. There's when I think of high school, um, super dance moments are certainly the ones that mean the most. And um, meeting somebody that had the disease was made a left, lasting impression. Um, and we didn't date until uh, after high school and in college. But um, but yeah, I, I do remember that being the case as well. It's pretty incredible experience. Jackie, now one of the reasons I really wanted to bring you on here is because you have illuminated so much for me and for a lot of people that are affiliated with our high school and then with cystic fibrosis with your positive outlook the way you have shared a very difficult beautiful journey of cystic fibrosis with Danny um, which has included two double lung transplants correct and delivering your first baby via FaceTime while your husband was recovering from his second lung transplant. Correct. (laughs) So 
sometimes I it doesn't feel like we did that all, but we did. <laughs> so maybe you could just walk us through a little bit of your your and Danny's journey. What talk about a little bit? What is cystic fibrosis and how has that impacted your life? Absolutely. Well, I think it's always funny, um, especially because this this is the story. This is how I met Danny. This is how you and I know each other. Um, I always wonder if people are like, is she just like really into, um, you know, the volunteer with the mostest really into this disease? Not that's not exactly how it happened. Um, I always like to start kind of our story with, um, which is a funny. Danny is someone that's had a condition, but um, he called me in college and said, I heard you got fun and I want to see it for myself. So just to give everyone a no little, way. A little bit <laughs> of a, um, I thought I was cool, but I think I was a little bit more of a book student than he was. And um, and as it turns out, he he was kind of a hockey player, kind of a, the cool kid. And um, and so we did keep in touch from circles of friends. We weren't super close in high school, but um, as the year went on, we kind of kept in touch. And it was really funny that at hospital bed returns, um, I remember a good friend of mine was very close with Danny. And when we were all in uh, college, she said, oh, he's had kind of a rough semester. He had to take some time and, and, um, go to the hospital and do kind of a longer term stay. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I'll send him a card and just kind of like try to pump him up. And again, those O'Connell, um, blood runs deep. So obviously we, we always were thinking of him, but as it turns out, we ended up, we stayed in contact kind of from that moment on and, and started dating. And, um, then we were married at, we celebrated 10 years this past July and cystic fibrosis, um, obviously, because I fundraised for it in high school, it was not, the disease was not a surprise to me by any means. Um, we all, being so close to such big fundraisers for it, for a cure, it still does not have an official cure. We're um, getting very, very close uh, compared to some other diseases, but the known cure is right now, or what we call cure, is transplant. So that's really how okay. people continue their life forward. I will say the disease right now, it's a very unique from the standpoint of um, the adults living with it now have a very different experience than the the people that are born with it now. So the diagnosis is, is a little bit different, but um, I'm mixing all my stories. So I, we were, um, I was always aware of the disease when we started dating. Um, we really both said that we weren't planning anything serious, just wanted to have fun. And um, that obviously uh, after five years of being together changed and we did get married. And pretty much from um, January, we were married in July, January prior to that July is when they first started mentioning trans plant. It would be a number of years before Danny would actually have one, but for all intents and purposes, I went into um, the relationship and then our marriage with um, eyes wide open. I think the thing that we all learn as humans is you don't know what you don't know, and life takes a variety of paths, and I think that that's what really our journey has been about, is we are are people that try really hard to live with the disease. It's definitely part of your life. Um, you do your best to not have it limit you, but you know, there's times where that's just not possible. So um, we both have always had kind of that same outlook of um, doing our best to live life to the fullest. And um, some days I do better than others, but that's how we started this journey together. And really, as we went through it, we're kind of opposites. Danny's a little bit more reserved. I'm um, a little bit more of a joiner. <laughs> I like to share and like to be out and about. And I think 
the more we walked through those 10 years, the more we walked through transplant life, it, it was just very challenging. Um, there's really no other way to say it. It's extremely challenging. Um, and what I really came to find is that challenges are everywhere, though. Everybody's got their thing. Everybody's got a challenge. And I um, I know that when we talked about me doing the podcast, we were laughing about you wanted to share our story. And yes, we deal with a lot of life and death, but it's laundry. That's the thing that always <laughs> makes my life the hardest. <laughs> so It's not always the life and death stuff. It's the little stuff in the day to day that can make life hard. So um, we decided, well, I decided that I wanted to share more of our journey just because if we were struggling through it, others had to be struggling through it. And, um, and so Danny was open to me sharing. So it probably more so started with, we just started speaking and sharing our story with the CF community. Um, but from there it has gotten bigger and I did start a blog, um, which is a little outdated right now. Motherhood has not been kind to that, um, hobby of mine, but, um, we wanted to share more of our story and it's always been really helpful for me to process everything to write. So, um, I didn't know that was something that I'd love so much, but it turned out to be something I really loved. And we also have really enjoyed sharing our journey. So that's sort of the, how we've shared our life about CF, um, being part of our world, just, uh, I guess a little bit of info on the CF side is it is a disease that, um, the life expectancy right now is about, I think we're at 41, actually. When Danny and I were married, it was between 35 and 37, and it has gone higher since then, um, and it seems to only be positive. Danny will be 36 this month, so we continue to push that push that um, expectancy out, and it affects most of the major body systems by leaving a thick sticky mucus throughout it. But the areas that are obviously most troubled with that are the lungs with breathing, breathing, excuse me, and the GI area, your stomach and all that. You're not able to absorb and process food normally because of all that sticky mucus all over. So um, that's the background of CF and sort of how it's part of our world. Thanks, Jackie. Let me go back to a couple of things that you said. So you mentioned living with the disease. What does that look like on a day-to-day -day with you and your family? I think we, um, to be honest, I think when you start out both Danny as um, a student, as a kid, and then as a student, and then as a young adult, it was, I'm never going to let this disease limit me. And I do think that that is such a beautiful and important part of facing such a serious illness. Um, and we actually in the CF community always laugh. Um, CFers are some of the most stubborn people you are meet. And it's a challenge to live with, a challenge to be married to. But we also think that's what keeps them going. I mean, they're really a stubborn breed, obviously, to have such that fighter spirit. And I think that that really served Danny for a lot of years, exactly as you said it. He didn't want his high school years marked by that. He didn't want to share it with people. He was a big uh, sports guy. He uh, was very active. Um, lots of friends, uh, didn't hold back on the normal, maybe party scene as much as um, one might think. I mean, he has always seeked to have a quote unquote normal childhood and his family's always really, really supported that. But there comes a time with disease and just certain limitations that we can say it as much as we want, but the truth is, is it does live in our home. And I think it was, we've been married a couple of years and we really realized that there were three people in this marriage. Um, 
Danny, myself, and CF. And um, being Catholic, we always like to picture it as Danny, myself, and God. But um, in our world, we've added another layer. And <laughs> um, it's, I think it's because it does. It affects, it takes up a lot of space. It um, requires a lot of thought process. And I think, again, when we were first married, maybe not as much. And as years have gone on, it's affected how we've cho- where we've chosen to live how we've chosen to live both financially and um, career-wise. Our family choices had to be basically not discussed with CF, but I'm sure you get what I'm, I'm pointing at. I mean, CF has to come into every conversation. And I think that both Danny and I felt a little bit like failures when you have to do that because there's certain things in life that you can say, we're not going to let it limit us. But for us, um, the reality was to keep going and do some of the things that we wanted to do. We had to say, here's what we want to do. How do we balance it with CF? Hmm. Yeah. And so is that related a lot to the treatments that Danny has to do on a daily basis and the basically potential of this lung transplant at some point down the future is that is that sort of how you lived with it up till that point I exactly I think um there are I think the only holidays that we have not spent in the hospital I think it used to be July 4th and that's in this year that changed that no Danny was home so July 4th is the only holiday we have not celebrated quote unquote within hospital walls Uh um so First of all, that's something. I mean, you're exactly as it happened at the Superdance. That happens to us um, on a a regular-ish basis. And I don't say it to complain. I think I say it to – there's a lot of people that live like that. Um, When you live in the hospital world, you see that there's a lot of people that live that way. So definitely um, we've had to make a lot of plan Bs. Um, We've had to miss out on a variety of things that can be hard. Um, I think in terms of the treatments, Danny is an – excellent patient. So I will say, um, the time commitment, yes, but he always did a really good job of managing that. So I have to um, give him a lot of credit. I didn't always feel like that was a bother for me necessarily. It certainly affected how he was able to do his jobs and that kind of thing. But, um, not so much that for him, the time commitment, maybe not so much for us, which I'm grateful for. Um, Maybe I should be a better CF wife and be a little bit more involved in that. But we've always, he's always been really good about that. And um, I think just being 100% honest, the financial aspect is huge. I mean, um, I think it was $1.2 is what a transplant costs, something around there, um, something absolutely insane. Obviously, with insurances and fundraising and all that, we didn't have to come up with that amount. But that's it, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of... Um, risk for your family. It's a lot of um, flexibility that you're required to have in your life and your job and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for both of you. Correct. So walk me through, Danny received his first lung transplant, which is such a strange thing to say, his first. We'll get to the second, but walk me through what happened. What did that look like? Yeah. So it, a crazy story. I think, um, I forgot to share our little family quote and Danny actually, when he talks, he always starts with this and it's a great way to look at it. Um, when you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. That's sort of our family's motto. Um, and that's kind of what's followed us. And, um, maybe it's not always so funny cause it continues to <laughs> happen that way, but, um, transplant for lungs, you're often on the list for about 
six-ish months, that's kind of the average weight. And there's a variety um, of factors that go into that. The location that you're having the transplant, how sick you are, um, your age, your body makeup. There's just a lot of different things that go into it. But all that to say, um, before we even, on our wedding day, we knew transplant was something that was coming, but it was a solid five-year conversation prior to that um, where you just always have to be kind of ready, I guess, is the way to look at it. Um, You never know when the illness is going to take a really hard turn left and you can't bounce back. Okay. as as I said, Danny's super stubborn, so he continued to (laughs) bounce back a lot. He really, it is a weird thing to say, and these are weird things to talk about, but um, he really wanted to get the most out of his lungs. And, you know, I think a little bit for the CF um, patient, it can feel a little bit like not a failure, but like, oh, wow, okay, so these lungs have seen me through, even if they weren't great. I want to get as far as I possibly can with them. Um, So that being Danny's mindset, it was a solid year of a lot of exacerbations and what we call tune-ups. And that's when you go into the hospital to um, get IV treatments, to be monitored more closely, depending on where you are in the disease, it means different things. We always called it tune-ups as kind of the positive spin on it. Um, but those were happening, happening a lot more for Danny. And that's how you know that the lungs just aren't bouncing back. The body systems just aren't bouncing back. Mm. Um, so for that first transplant, we really the team wanted to see Danny get on the list early in case something should happen. But then once you're listed, your life changes a little bit. You're not allowed to travel very much because um, you always need to be able in case you get that phone call. Even though the wait could be a long time, it can technically happen at any time. Once you start that journey, it's a big road to recovery. You're really um, how we describe it and how it was described to us. That I think is a really good description. Is you're trading one disease for the other. So CF is the animal Danny knew. Having new organs is the animal Danny did not know. Mm -hmm. So he really, you know, you don't want to jump it. You can't jump into that lightly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he really kind of drug his feet. Our team really wanted to see him list a little sooner than he did, dragging his feet, dragging his feet. And finally, it was um, November of 2016. And we have the most incredible team. Um, Danny's seen at Hopkins, John Hopkins in Baltimore. We have uh, one doctor in particular who is phenomenal, is like family to us. And he sat Danny down, looked him in the eye and said, Dan, it's time. We've got to do this. (laughs) Being the stubborn one, Kristen, I'm going to have to um, really figure out, hear the story of how you really talked to him into it one day, because Danny likes to do things on his own time. (laughs) (laughs) But um, he sat him down, said, now is the time. And um, Danny said, okay, but I want to have Thanksgiving without this hanging over my head. And we all, as in his family, my parents, his parents, siblings, everybody was like, gosh, Danny, seriously, you're not going to get the call right away. Can you just get on the list and make us all stop worrying so much? And he said, no, no, I want to have Thanksgiving without it hanging over my head. And then the next week, I promise I'll go active on the list. So we were all like, okay, fine. Like just really thinking this is Danny controlling everything. We were listed the Monday after Thanksgiving and we got the call for organs on the Tuesday. What? So <laughs> Danny knew, Danny knew that it was, I guess, going to be fast or something, but it still was shocking um, to get that call. I mean, 
there's so many things. It's kind of like having a baby. They tell you to have a bag pack. They tell you to have plans in place. And being who we are, we thought, well, we've got six months. We'll kind of figure it out. And getting that call right away was so crazy. Um, but the really benefit to that was Danny was sick enough to need the organs, obviously, but well enough that he walked himself into the hospital, walked himself into the um, OR basically was, was extremely healthy, um, considering obviously needed organs, but, um, was in relatively good shape. I think if you would have asked the Jackie of 2016, I would have told you, ah, it's been so hard and it's been terrible and he's been super sick and that was all true. But compared to some other things we've experienced since then, he was relatively healthy and he came out of it really, the surgery, the initial recovery, he was home 10 days post-transplant. It was really incredible. Um, walked himself out of, out of ICU, just every milestone, every everything he hit with flying colors, really incredible. Um, we were so amazed at the whole process. And then I'll just say, um, I was blogging at this point, And if you um, ever go back and read some of the blog, you'll see there's some spots that are really, really quiet. The recovery about six months after that is extremely challenging emotionally. Um, physically, he did better, but it's still a huge challenge. And, um, and how it affects your relationships is is really challenging. Our doctor that I, I said loves us so well and is so good to us sat us down and was super honest that he did not know any marriages that had survived a transplant to this today. Now that was five years ago. Yeah. So tell me about what some of those challenges are. Yeah. So I think first of all, when you're born with CF, you know, the disease in and out and you are, like I said, Danny's an excellent patient. He managed everything, his meds, his, I was way more the support person. Um, I'd like to think that I was the one that made him happy all the time, but marriage isn't always like that, but I was really the cheerleader and the one that walked with him. But in terms of knowing his meds, knowing his needs, knowing the way around insurance and all that he knew how to do. Well, all of a sudden you come out with these new organs and you have to do all these anti-rejection medications and all these things that you've never had to do before. There's a ton of restrictions on what you can eat and who you can see and where you can go and what you can do, which Danny just has not never been very good at restrictions. If we're all being honest, he doesn't (laughs) have to do, but (laughs) he likes to live life. Um, And so I think when you're going through that identity change It's just, um, you know, I don't, I can't even really say that I fully understand it. I just think it's such an identity change. It's such a challenge that it really is. He has said this before, happy he is married, loves me to death. I love him. There's no questions ever of love, but knowing that you had to help somebody else face your death and then go through this new life overwhelmed him. He said, honestly, it's hard to think that I have to get two people through this, not just one. And so I think it just it takes a toll on you. Mm-hmm. And if we're being honest, the other person's feeling very much like a toll on them. I mean, I made very specific career decisions so that I was able to um, be with Danny. So I wasn't necessarily going after things that I always wanted, but Also, on the same hand, our family, I was the primary income for a lot of years, not every year, but for a lot of years. Um, So there's some requirements with that. And there is so much sacrifice 
which sounds really terrible to say. If I'm being honest, it's like, well, this person had their sternum broken and new organs put in and all these things. <laughs> but the truth, and I think this, I like to laugh. Um, I'm a terrible sick person. And somebody was like, how can you be a terrible sick person with Danny? And I'm like, well, that's what makes us real. I'm not a good sick person. I complain, <laughs> even though Danny has, had new organs. I, we're still husband and wife. And so I think that's what it comes down to. We're still husband and wife and marriage for anybody that knows it. It's not really 50, 50. I'm sure we all would love to think that, but that's not really true. But when you're in transplant life, I mean, you're as the spouse, 50, 50 is not even on the table. I think you have to hold open the spot for that person to be able to come back to their life when they're ready. And it's just really hard because you just don't know if they're going to come back to that spot and you still have to go to work and you still have to pay the bills and you still have to think about what you want for your future and what you both want. And sometimes you're having to hold that while watching them suffer. And it's very, very challenging. And I think the last piece that makes it really challenging is, um, We've been together, like I said, married for 10, five years before that, 15 years of being a couple. And when you're facing this kind of situation, um, our parents and our families are so intimately involved in our life. It is the biggest blessing. I mean, we wouldn't be able to do our life without them, but it's also really hard when you've wanted to lead your own life to be, you know, Danny's having a surgery as we speak, actually. And I'm staying with my parents for help with our little one that we'll get to. So our life is very, we rely on other people mm -hmm. and that can be challenging too, emotionally. And, um, you know, most 30 some year olds aren't, aren't having their parents that involved. And that just caused a lot of challenges for us. I could see that. Yeah. You could also look at it in the way of the village and how important the village is. And boy, you guys have an incredible village. We do. And I think um, it's so funny. And I know we'll get to this part of the story, but it's like, I think we fought, not fought it because we're so grateful and I, we could not do our life without our, without our parents, without our siblings for sure. But I think we fought it so hard, almost like the petulant teenager, like I can do this and we can do this and da, 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 all on our own. And this past um, year has challenged that completely <laughs> that we had to give in. And came to find that, you know, I think our families are, are happy to do it, which is still feels like a debt that you'll never pay. But isn't that what life's really about and how lucky we are to have them? So absolutely. Yeah. But I can see how that would be. I mean, this this comes into the CF mentality, right? The, the Danny mentality. Like, I can do it. I got this. Yes. I don't need your help. <laughs> I'm stubborn. Um, I have a best friend that said, Jackie, I don't think you and Danny are married to each other. I think you're married to a council. Like everything comes to vote to the council. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of curiosity, what advice, this is a big question, but what advice sure. would you give to somebody, to a spouse who was supporting somebody going through a transplant? I'll tell you, and I, I won't share her name because I didn't ask her permission, but I had another CF um, wife who walked through transplant um, and in the middle of their recovery actually messaged me and said, okay, I've read your blog twice. I am not seeing all the things that are happening to me. And I said, oh no, I don't publish everything. And so I share with her some of the challenges <laughs> and she's like, okay, now I'm seeing the real picture. And <laughs> not to say that, um, obviously, I think we've shared a decent amount and people get the, get the experience, but it's 
just to say it's a wild ride. No one's is the same. And so she wasn't looking for me to necessarily tell her exactly this is the recipe that's going to get you through it or this is what you need. But more so like crazy things happen in these emotional moments. And that's okay. It's not like the movies. It's not. It's so often not at all what you envision. So I think that's the first thing is go Mm. ahead and give yourself some incredible amount of grace because there's no way you'll do it perfectly. There's no way that um, you can know everything that's coming and, and don't use that to scare yourself. Use it as freedom. You can't, and I am the biggest A-type, I love a calendar more than anybody I know, but you can't plan it. You can't be ready for what's coming. You just have to give yourself a lot of grace and knowing by standing up every day and saying, I'm going to keep doing this, I'm going to keep showing up, that's your doing the best. Absolutely. Mm. So you can get a few things wrong and you can get a lot of things wrong actually, and still be a good partner and a good teammate in this situation. Um, But then the other half of that, I think I would say is, um, you have to know, I think it's, there's certain parts about the CF life that um, you get really good at. I think I'm an excellent hospital person. We have got it down to a science. I can make a hospital date night funner than anybody. But um, <laughs> there's parts that you just can't make easy and work. And you're going to have to take some time to to take a break. There's no way around it. No one person can do it all. We wish we could, but, um, and I think that that's really challenging and, um, humbling yourself can be super, super hard, but sometimes you have to walk away. And, um, it was about a year after Danny's first transplant when we were at a event where he spoke and he actually said that he believes there's times that I had it harder than him during his first recovery Mm. because he was recovering. And there's times where things he just slept through or just was able to kind of check out from because people don't expect as much from you. But when you're the spouse, you're the, you're the well one, you're the awake one. You're the one that needs to make the decisions and needs to make the family happy. and needs to be the spokesperson. And that is an unbelievably challenging place. And I have amazing people in my life, but it's still very lonely and that's okay. That's okay to feel that way. You're not feeling. Mm. That's great advice. Wow. So he has his first transplant. He gets that six months out and things are they still continuing? Is he still progressing in the direction that, that they're hoping that he will with the lungs? It was, I mean, almost to the day, his mom and I were talking about this the other day, almost to the day, six months, it was like the page turned and it was incredible. I remember, um, pretty much from then for the next year and a half, we, Danny was, his lung function was 115%, which actually doesn't happen that often for transplants. So we were in. Okay, wait, hold on. 115%? Function. Yes. Function. So what would a a normal lung function be? You and I, I mean, you're a good runner, Kristen, so you're better than me, but you and I are probably somewhere around 80 to 90-ish. Okay. So having over 100%, that's great. Correct. Okay. All right. Shocking. Um, I, and even at the time, I'm not sure that we knew that now again, going through recovery again, it's like, okay, don't feel like we're doing badly because 115 is really abnormal. But the thought process was, was like, wow, doing just unbelievably well. Um, and 
night and day. And I just remember um, there was a couple of funny things about that. The, the first part was I remember the first Saturday um, that we kind of like, again, we Danny had been home. He'd been kind of working through recovery. And all of a sudden, uh, things just click. And when I say click, it can be a combination of they get the anti-rejection meds right because they have a lot of side effects that can really affect. Like Danny had tremors for mm. months that like his phone would fly across the room, stuff like that, that really wears on you. And all of a sudden, they get the meds basically the cocktail done correctly because it's unique for every patient and it's like you feel awesome and the lungs happen to be working at that time and you feel awesome and he started gaining weight and he just felt so good and so it was right around July and it was like it was a Saturday morning I woke up and how our life had been for six years prior to that was like Saturday. I've always worked full time. And then Saturdays was my day to get it all done, errands and and cleaning and all the stuff. And so I got up and I like threw on my gym clothes and I'm getting all and Danny gets up with me and he's like, so what are we doing today? And I just looked at him and like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, where are you going? And I'm like, I'm going to go run the errands and go to the grocery store and do all the stuff and hopefully go for a walk with the dog. Or And he's like, well, can I come? And it was so shocking to me. I actually, this is going to sound crazy, but just to be honest with you, you almost go through your own identity thing. Like I had kind of turned that into a positive because I had to. So I always got my Starbucks and I always listened to my podcast. And, and it was like, you want to get in the car with me? Like, <laughs> what are we going to listen to? Do you want coffee? Like, <laughs> through me, I just had never had somebody to do these things with. And that's not complaining. I just had never experienced it. I was so thrown. Um, it actually took a little bit of an adjustment period. And then all of a sudden it was like really fun. And I'd come home on a Tuesday night from work and he's like, Hey, do you want to go get margaritas? And I'm like, but didn't you work today? Yeah. And you feel like going and getting a margarita. Yeah, I feel really good. Let's go. It was shocking. To, it almost was like, is this what the rest of the world has been doing while we would like, we had our own fun movie nights or hanging on the couch or whatever, which definitely had some special moments that I'll never forget. But I was so thrown that it was like I had learned to blog and do all these things because so much of my life, Danny had to rest or was kind of down for the count that I'd learned to manage mm -hmm. my own world. I was I love, I mean, it was incredible. It was incredible. It was, it really was, I'm going to sound like a fairy tale, but it was like falling all in love all over again. I mean, we were just in such an amazing place. I, I throughout this second recovery, I've said for those months, I would give my right arm. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. And we did, we, you can't fly for the first year, but we did, um, an awesome road trip and so much fun we didn't know that we weren't so normal until we had this period of time where it was like, wow, this is what everyone else was doing when we were kind of doing something else. Hmm. Wow. And then when did things change? So it was um, last Thanksgiving timeframe. Again, that holiday kind of marks for us. Um, I guess I'll back up and say a little bit first. Throughout that period, we um, one of the big things that we really wanted to do was expand our family. And um, due to the nature of CF, um, we were never going to have an unplanned pregnancy or any surprises or anything on our own. Um, because of CF, you do have to get fertility help. And so okay. um, the positive about that is that you can plan it. The negative for the planners that we try to be is we were kind of waiting for like the perfect moment. Like everything would be so, so, so perfect. Um, and so 
we looked at 2019 as really the year, um, which is a dangerous game to play, but we really felt like we had had some fun. We had really enjoyed Danny feeling good for a little while. And then end of 2018 going into 2019, um, we decided to really go for it. We didn't know the length that they give you on transplant organs is five years. That, that's what they say, how long the organs will be good on average. But CF patients can do a lot better because the average takes into account people of all ages and demographics and diseases. So often CF patients are a lot younger when they have the transplant. So it's not uncommon for it to be 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. But we still knew that five could could pop up. It didn't seem that it was going to. So we tried to just put it out of our minds. But we also knew that if we decided to make some changes, we still would potentially have to balance CF but we decided we wanted to move forward. So um, I should back up even a little more than that. Danny went out and got a job that um, prior to that would not have been possible for him. He actually um, went through um, a big chunk of the process to become a policeman. Um, we kind of ended up finding out some of the medical stuff that they were finding led to um, markers that his lungs were declining. We didn't know that at the time. We just saw some things that were a little bit unnerving, but, um, but even just being able to go through that process was incredible. And wow. thankfully for the group that he worked with, he was able to find a civilian job with them. Um, that was a great match. So that's awesome. here he was at a job he loved working full time, doing awesome, very, very happy with it all. Um, I went ahead, I'd had a job that I really, really liked, but it was really keeping me safe. It was like one of those things of like, I loved what I did, but it wasn't probably challenging me the way that I wanted. Um, and there was actually a company that I had always, um, we'd partner with and done some things and I just always loved what they were doing. And I thought, you know, if I ever got a chance, I'd love to go work for them. Um, but I didn't know the dynamics. I didn't know if it would be friendly for our, our life. It was a little bit further away from our house. Uh, just a variety of things that can make you nervous when you come from the world that we come from. Um, they didn't know my story. They didn't know a lot about me. So I was a little bit nervous about that. But I went ahead and an interview process came up. I actually, Danny was getting a lung check when an email came across my desk. And um, I said, should I go for it? And he said, we said we were going to live. So I, I went for it. And I actually got the job and um, been the, one of the biggest blessings of that year. So we made those changes and those were going really well. And we thought, well, okay, this is all lining up pretty good. Let's go ahead. And, um, why don't we look into expanding our family? And, um, we really lucked out that, um, how we came to have, um, our little baby was through IVF. Um, but because of our religious beliefs, we don't believe in screening any of the embryos. So we just let it all kind of um, basically let God do his part. Um, just mechanically, they helped us to get pregnant, but they kept saying to us, it's going to be a really long road because you're not doing the screening. So it could take a little while to find basically the right embryo match, that kind of deal. Um, and on our first try it worked, which is so rare. And, um, I even hate saying it as someone that walked through infertility because that can be very, very challenging road. We just knock on wood. It kind of, worked out for us that first try. And, um, so we were on this path of like, everything's going the, really the way that we want. And those little things that they had seen during Danny's, um, police medical exam was kind of like in the back of our minds, but we weren't really as worried about it maybe as we should have been, but we tried not to live like that anymore. And so I should say that was October, 2018 okay. is, um, when some of those things showed up, but they weren't 
alarming. So we just kind of kept going. We all these amazing things were happening. We just were in the best place. Danny also is a hockey coach at O'Connell. That was going really, really well. And he loves doing that. So our life was so beautiful, so full, so promising. Got pregnant last summer. And so going into the fall, Danny just wasn't feeling good. And those exacerbations started to happen. And then they started to happen more. And then they started to happen more. Um, and Thanksgiving time, um, Danny was actually, uh, left after Thanksgiving dinner the next day to go on a hockey tournament in Ohio. And he called me Ohio and said, I don't know if I can even make it home. I think I might have to go to the ER here. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, Kristen, I don't know if it was just being pretty pregnant at that point. And I was not an awesome pregnant person. I love being a mom, but I was pretty sick throughout my pregnancy. So that was, I don't know if I just was in a cloud or what, but I remember thinking like, Oh, I don't, I I didn't know you were that sick. Like you can't even make it home. So he did make it home, but pretty much, um, from beginning of December on, it was declining really fast. And to be honest, our, again, that sweet doctor that we love so much, basically said, we're not really sure what's happening, but we don't really even have time to figure it out. These organs are failing and you're going to need organs to keep living. Um, and that's where we were. Um, I would say I was thinking about this actually preparing for today, go January 1st, new year or new year's Eve, January 1st. I'm not sure we knew a transplant for sure was gonna happen. I think we knew things weren't good, But come end of January, early February, we, for the first time ever, had um, multiple 911 calls where Danny just was not able to breathe, um, which has never happened before for us. And and things just changed so, so rapidly. He basically lived in the hospital pretty much from mid-January on. And um, things changed very, very quickly from from that point on. And we had to make a choice. Were we going to do try for a second transplant, which not every center does, isn't always offered to everybody, is a very challenging recovery, um, to be honest, even though we came to the decision that we ultimately wanted to do it. We had to get approved by a board. Um, and that process took a lot longer than we even expected. Um, which organs are obviously, um, precious. So we totally respect that process, but it is hard to walk through. And, um, we looked a lot into hospice. We wondered if that was maybe the better way to go. So it it was a very tumultuous (laughs) beginning. Meanwhile, you're pregnant. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm pregnant. Yes. So I, um, I think my low point of 2020 would be seven months pregnant, like on my calendar was hospice discussion. And I went to the hospital that day for us to learn what that would look like and to learn if I could deliver at Hopkins um, and maybe Danny could be there and what all that looked like. Um, And it was, it was just so surreal. I, I, so surreal yet also, um, peaceful is not the word I would use necessarily. Obviously it's emotionally overwhelming and I don't know, but there was a piece there, um, that Danny and I were excellent partners during it. Um, and I think having that moment and hearing, being able to tell each other how much you love the other person that we would sacrifice what we both wanted for the, what was best for the other person. He wanted me to be able to not have to take care of two people 
be able to take care of, we knew at that time it was a little girl, take care of our daughter and not have to take care of him at the same time. Um, me, of course, wanting him to be here, but when you're 35 and you can't even get out of the hospital bed to go to the bathroom, I mean, how hard can you ask somebody to fight? So um, those are really big challenges. And I think what I had shared before, looking back, we didn't know how sick Danny was. That for how not sick Danny was that first transplant walking himself into the hospital where this time he wasn't really even getting out of a hospital bed mm-hmm. much at all at this point, which, um, very challenging, very challenging experience. I can't even wrap my mind around the thought of being seven months pregnant and thinking about welcoming your first child into the world and then having a parallel conversation about hospice for your husband. I I can't even fully process that. I'm not sure I fully have. And I haven't, I hope to blog about it someday or write about it someday. Cause I think that that will help me fully process it. But I will say to you um, that I was thinking the other day how um, there's so many things in our world. I don't think we take them for granted. I hope that we've been grateful enough, but I just think of this one particular doctor that met with us, the same doctor went with us to these meetings. I mean, talked with us endlessly. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not sure we could think for ourselves in that moment. We were really struggling with what to do and where to go. And if we had not had him and he really ultimately said two things. One, he didn't think that Danny would live until the baby was born. So that was a big chunk. Um, two, he, um, if we chose hospice, because at that point you would stop your other treatments to keep him going. Um, two, um, he just, he said, I don't believe that your guy's fight is over. I know you both very well. I just don't think the fight is over. And he goes, and I would tell you if I did. And I just, we recently said to him, you know, he's still our doctor. We still talk to him all the time. It's like, I'm not even sure you know what you did for us, but you are our eyes and our ears and our heart when we just you're exactly right. Couldn't process it ourselves. And thank God he, um, said all those things. And then ultimately also really was the one that, um, pushed for us to be, there's a variety of things you have to do to be eligible. And he really helped us get eligible, which is, um, eligible for organs, I should say. And and to get passed by the second board. Correct. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think we were really fortunate enough to have that kind of relationship as part of our life and, um, not everyone's that close to their doctors. So we're really lucky. So you guys decide we're going to go for the second transplant. Yes. Danny's in the hospital. Correct. You're you're seven months pregnant. Yes. Working full time (laughs) in this new job that you're so excited about. Yes. Yep. Okay, then what happens? I know. Um, I will say that I do have to give um, a little uh, bit of gratitude and shout out. Uh, working full time, but um, who would have known? I mean, this job, I was always worried because it's a little bit further away. Well, we're able to work from home. So that team has been nothing but incredible. Um, not only do I love the work, but I love the people I work with. And so I, I don't think that you would be able to keep 
this pace if you didn't love what you do and who you do it with. And so I always knew I wanted to go and do that kind of job and be with those kind of people. They're just very energetic people from the work that we get to do. We work with um, a lot of associations and that kind of thing, but they're just an incredible bunch. And we do, we do feel like a family. And I, I didn't know that when I took the job, I'm so grateful I had it because I wouldn't have been able to work anywhere else and accomplish all this. I don't think they were incredible. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think we, and again, at this time, COVID has not really, um, right. COVID, we haven't added that into the story yet. <laughs> God works in mysterious ways. Um, COVID has not presented itself. So I'm living in and out of the hospital and in and out of a hotel through February. I was due to end of March. Um, and this will tell you, Kristen, this is just kind of how real we keep it. I mean, we decided to fight. We decided to move forward. That process was a little bit longer. I remember those days being being really long, like, have we gotten the approval? Have we gotten the approval? You're still waiting. You're still waiting. We're calling this doctor tearfully. He's checking in on us, knowing that we're like waiting for some of these answers. Um, Hopkins is a really, I get the same goosebumps about Hopkins as I do about O'Connell. It is an incredibly special place and I love everybody there. It's really amazing. Um, and so you're still loving them, but you're still waiting for the answer and it's really challenging and, and all those things. So, um, very taxing, very emotional, all those things. And then, um, my morning sickness that is not just in the morning and my heartburn and just my body is, I just said to Danny, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I know that you're suffering, but I can't do this anymore. I cannot lug my, at this point I was um, about eight months pregnant. I can't lug myself around here anymore, which is a very hard thing to say, but I think it also spoke to just a little bit of our belief that we did have more to go. Um, Cause mm -hmm. I just couldn't, do both for forever. So thankfully my family took turns living with me at that time. Um, as we get into March, I really stopped going to the hospital a lot, but then Danny actually, because he made the decision to move forward and fight, um, the, it was kind of, it's, it's weird to say, but you kind of get a new plan. So now the plan is to keep Danny strong for these organs and get him stronger so we can get through the surgery. And so all of a sudden we're trying new treatments. We're doing new things. There are just a variety of things going on. And they actually made him strong enough, something that we never thought would happen strong enough to live outside the hospital walls. Cause believe it or not, as they kind of stabilize him to some degree, you don't know how long the wait for lungs is going to be. And mm. so Right around the COVID time, they decided Danny could go home, which actually worked out because hospitals were shutting down and we couldn't go and be with him anymore. So we're like, okay, this is actually good news. But unfortunately, um, Danny, just we live in a townhouse. And so that was not for someone who's having lungs fail. He could not come back and live with us. So he was able to actually go live with his parents, um, who were only about 30, 25 minutes, 30 minutes from where we live. My parents and my siblings are helping take care of me. It was such a bizarre time. Wow, yeah. Yeah, and like coordinating, visiting each other. <laughs> um, At your parents' house. Exactly, exactly. It was so funny. Yeah, like the last Sunday before I had the baby, we were there with my mom. His parents were all like sitting on the deck. And Danny's like, here's our here's our approved visitation with the adults watching us. It was just <laughs> such a bizarre um, experience. But we were really grateful because 
he was able to be home. We were able to be with him. But I think that that's when things started to get really challenging because so much of our hospice discussion, whether it makes sense or not, but just it's what we were thinking at the time was wanting Danny to be there when she was born. Now that we've had her, obviously, um, you don't know what you don't know about parenthood, but that was not even the only special moment. I mean, there's amazing moments and she's only six months old. So I can't even begin to imagine what's around the corner, but we just really wanted to get to him being there when she was born and to meet her. And so it felt like such a win that we'd gotten him there. He's still alive, basically not healthy necessarily, but alive. And he could go to the hospital with me and then COVID hit. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And my midwife's another, again, we're so, I think for all the things that felt like sometimes stacked against us, there's so many things that are stacked for us. Like my midwives were so amazing and I just love them so, so much. And they said, um, we're not asking you, um, what you're going to do. We're telling you, your husband cannot catch this disease. And again, I don't know if we just weren't paying attention or we were distracted, but I don't think we even knew how terrible it was at that point. And so we really thought about fighting them to have Danny there for that moment. Thankfully we didn't. FaceTime's an amazing thing, but um, my mom was able to be with me, but it was just, it was such a hard moment. Um, It's truly a moment that Danny doesn't even like to think about that often because even though he was quote unquote there, it was, it was a really big letdown um, because we had made it, but obviously um, we got past all that because she was here and it was all worth it to that journey. But yeah, super crazy. Not at all like we envisioned it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are amazing. And then, but then right after this, he has the second transplant. Correct. So my first Mother's Day, um, at this point, Danny, I have actually moved um, in with my parents full time just because of family dynamics and all that. It made more sense for me to live with them and come back and forth with um, our little girl's name is Shannon. Shannon was born to um, have Shannon and I go back and forth. And so, um, my first mother's day, Danny had gone back into the hospital just for some fluids and not feeling his strongest. And, um, they ended up having organs for him. And so, um, he called me, I thought he was calling to say happy first mother's day. And instead he said, they think they have lungs. And so he got those, um, lungs and went through the whole recovery hospital living like that, um, by himself completely in the hospital. Cause no one was allowed in, which is, really hard was I think the hardest thing he I know the hardest thing he's ever had to do wow (sighs) and it was how long till he met beautiful Shannon who is a mini Danny (laughs) I know how funny is that I mean could not look more like him I I mean she heartburn and was so sick I just can't even, every time I see a picture of her, I'm like, she is Danny. She's got his dimples, his eyes. <laughs> it is. It's so funny how, how that worked out. I no, mean, he didn't get to meet her in person for how long? So what happened was we left the hospital and we had to quarantine because there were a couple of cases in the hospital that I mm. delivered in. So then we were literally at the end of our quarantine, going to see him the next day. We had to do 14 days of quarantine on the 13th day. He had a really bad episode, 911 ambulance, the whole deal, and had to go into the hospital where we could not go. So even if we wanted to try to go, we couldn't see her. So um, he was in the hospital for a few weeks. He met her, uh, let's see, 
it was about two weeks before her month birthday. So um, several weeks all through FaceTime and oh my gosh. very hard, very hard. And um, they, I, as he laughs, they made up for lost time for sure. Um, as I've gone back to work full time and prior to um, the little surgery he's needed right now, which is just a couple of maintenance things, um, he takes care of her full time. So they've made up for a lot of lost That's time. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's out of, he's done his double lung transplants for the right. second time. He's doing yep. pretty well. Yep. Okay. And he's in surgery right now for maintenance. Yep. They've, um, they've decided that the wires that were held holding his sternum together are causing him too much pain. And since the sternum is healed, they're going to come out. So that's good news there. Okay. But so far he's doing okay with this one. Doing great. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> doing great. I think we're, we all wish it was a little bit faster just because there's so much of life to live and, and, and your mom, they change every day. He doesn't want to miss like one second, but, um, but no, overall doing, doing really well. Um, thankfully this little period of time, like I've been able to pop back and um, be with my family cause I work from home completely now. Um, so that I can keep working and all those things we've, we've made it all work, but, um, but yeah, it's still, we've got a little ways to go though. I mean, Danny's definitely, the lung function is still only, I'm um, in the sixties. We really hope it gets more than that, but okay. you just never know. You guys are remarkable. Oh, all, thank you. All three of you, <laughs> plus your families. <laughs> and you. it really is an honor to hear your story and to oh. follow your journey. And I will put in the show notes, the link to your blog Thank you. Which and is, I'll probably get back there one day. Have a little faith in we, which I just yes. love the title of your blog. And now hearing oh. this whole story, it just makes so much sense. Thank you. Well, Jackie, we're at the end of our time. And I know you have a lot of other things to tend to than spend time with me. Aww. I just want to ask you our end of podcast questions. Awesome. Go for it. So you and Danny... And Shannon illuminate in so many people's lives. And I'm so grateful for the three of you and for what you've shared with us. Who is somebody that illuminates in your life or somebody that illuminates for you? I am. I'm going to break the rules just a teeny tiny bit. And I'm going to say, um, obviously, Danny and Shannon are my heart, my world, my everything. And they make it all possible. Um, but I'm not sure I would be able to do it without the women in my life are all of our families are amazing, but my mom and my sisters are just incredible. Um, I am the oldest of my family. And when that happens, you think, you know, it all, even when you're well into adulthood. And I have learned so much from my sisters. They're both moms. All three of us have come into motherhood very different ways. And those unique ways have allowed um, our mom to kind of be involved, maybe more than the average for all three of us. And I think the experience of learning so closely from her and learning so closely from them has just been unbelievable. And I just, um, my youngest sister is 14 years younger than me. And my other sister is seven years younger than me. And I have learned so much from them. They illuminate my life every day, all the time. And we have the best mom that taught us to be such good friends and, um, support one another. So couldn't do it without them. I love that. That's so awesome. What special relationships. Thank you. And do you have a book recommendation? I do. Um, Jamie Ivey, both a podcaster and an author, 
um, amazing. So her book, if you only knew is phenomenal. I really love it because it's, it's a lot about sharing your story, but it's also just a lot about how you just don't know what goes on in someone's life until they're willing to share it. And I think it just speaks to kind of my belief that um, we all have things and we can stand up and own it because that's okay. Life is full of messy, messy things. Um, and that book I read during a really challenging time made all the difference in my life. Um, and then also her podcast very similar to you all bring on people that just are the lights of the world I when I was going through the first transplant and was very lonely at times I would turn that podcast on just when I was in the hotel room alone just to have voices and every time I heard a story of of a strong woman um and it just gave me all the strength that I needed to keep going that's awesome Jackie I hope you write a book one day (laughs) I would love to I would love to you have a lot of material And then my last question for you is what is your message for the world? Things can be beautiful in the mess. Um, Have faith in God, in yourself, and in your people, and the beauty will shine through. I truly believe that. I don't always live it every day, but um, when I stop and slow down and I do think about it, um, that's that's the truth. Things can be so messy and yet some of the most amazing things can come out of it. So I encourage everyone to embrace the mess and find the beautiful. Jackie, thanks so much for joining us today. It was an honor to have you on and hear your story. If you love today's episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks and have a wonderful week.